0: Well, it's the end of a week. I hope it's been a good one for you and you've really enjoyed uh, reading God's word and are excited about being in church Sunday and worship to worship Jesus and that you are inviting people to come with you. Also make sure you come to life group, not just worship, come to life group, bring your Bible, bring your offering, bring a friend, invite someone and uh, have a blessed time worshiping Jesus Sunday. Well today in our devotions and our reading plan, we are in Luke chapter four and there are two I couldn't settle on one there are two devotional thoughts that uh, that I have from this chapter um, the one re- is is regarding temptation because we have here the the three temptations of Jesus that's what we normally uh, call this passage and as I was reading them the thought occurred to me that temptation almost always if not always appeals to to our personal wants, our personal desires, our personal needs and so on. Uh, for instance the <clears throat> the first temptation Jesus had been fasting in the wilderness for 30 days, I mean for 40 uh, 40 days. And at the end of that 40 days, he was hungry and the, the devil comes to him and says, "Hey, turn that stone into bread." And Jesus had the power to do it and he was hungry. That was a physical need. It was a real need, but Jesus did not do it. And his response was, um, you shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So that first temptation was appealing to his physical hunger, a real need. The second one, Satan allows Jesus to see all the kingdoms in human history. And all their glory and all their power, and says Jesus, if you'll worship me, I'll give you all that power and all that glory and all those kingdoms and 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 that um, that temptation was appealing to the desire that we as humans have for personal power, for uh, position, for uh, prestige, for uh, possess- possessions, and so on. And then the third temptation. He takes Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple in the city of Jerusalem, a crowded place. And says, jump off here. Just leap off. Now, if a human being did that and hit the ground, they would die. And then he quotes scripture and says, because God says that he'll give his angels charge concerning you and they'll, they'll catch you so that you don't dash your feet. And everybody will see this miraculous thing and they will know you are the son of God, that you are special Jesus, and here the temptation was appealing to the need or the desire that most of us have to be popular, to be accepted, to be approved, to have applause. And so all three temptations appealed to, uh, to, the, to, 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 to just our human nature for our needs and wants to be met, our appetites. All these different things. And that's how temptation works. But Jesus said, no. He said, no. How was he able to resist the temptation? All of which appealed to these fleshly human things that all of us feel and struggle with. Well, Two reasons. One was the role of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit in this life. This chapter begins in verse 1 by telling us that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit when he went out into the wilderness and he was led by the, by the Spirit in that wilderness. And then when the story ends in verse 14, after the three temptations, it says Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So the story begins and ends with Jesus living in the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And that's why in between, he was able to say no to the temptations that appealed to his human fleshly natures. And so you, you, and, you and me crucifying the flesh and saying yes to the spiritual life, to the work of God in our lives, submitting to God, staying clean and confessed of our sin and walking in the fullness and the power of the Spirit, that makes it so much easier to say no to temptation. Um, and then the other thing about Jesus that is a lesson for us on how to resist temptation is not only did he live in the fullness of the Spirit and in the leadership of the Spirit of the Father, but he uh, he teaches us here how to put God on the throne of our lives, on the throne of our heart, if you will, and crucify our flesh. In verse four, uh, he he says, "You shall not." Li-. Well, he. he in, in, in Luke's account, in verse four, he says, "Man shall not live on bread alone." Matthew adds, because he's quoting a New Testament passage, "Not only shall man not live on bread alone, but he shall live on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God." That more important than my physical needs is the word of God, the the the, the food of God, the truth of God. That's more important than any physical need I have. And then in verse eight. When Satan said, I'll give you all these kingdoms and their glory, if you just worship me, he said, you shall worship the Lord your God and only, only, only him putting God first again. And then in verse 12, when he was asked, hey, jump off the temple, the angels will catch you, everybody will see that and they'll believe easily in you. And Jesus said, you should not put the Lord your God to the test And so what Jesus is illustrating is demonstrating there for you and me is not only do we need to live and walk in the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit, but we need to live with Jesus being with God being on the throne of our heart and life, the word of God, God himself being on the throne and that being more important to us than any of our fleshly desires. That's how we overcome temptation. Now, one other devotional thought real quickly is that we need to get outside our own circles where we're comfortable so we can be a witness for Jesus. Um, in, the, in, in the middle part of this chapter, Jesus uh, is teaching. He, he goes to his hometown of Nazareth, and he goes to the synagogue. He reads scripture, and they're all amazed. And then he sits down in the form of a rabbi. They don't, the rabbis would always sit down to teach. And so Jesus sits down to teach. And part of what he teaches in verses 25 to 27, he said, But I I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, the Old Testament prophet, when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over all the land. And you read about that in, in the book of Kings. But notice what he says. And yet in verse 26, Elijah was sent to none of them. There were all these widows in the nation of Israel, but during that drought and that famine, God did not send Elijah to any Jewish widow. Instead, in verse 26, God sent Elijah to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Rather than sending the prophet during that famine and drought to a Jewish widow to live with and bless, God sent this prophet to a widow in Sidon, which is in Lebanon, not Israel. God sent him to a Gentile widow during the time of famine and drought to bless her. And then in verse 27, there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elijah. Elijah is the successor of Elijah as prophet and there were a lot of lepers during Elijah's time period. And you read about this in the book of Kings. But notice it was Naaman from Syria whom God brought to Elijah to be healed of leprosy. And the point Jesus is making is it's not just the Jews for whom he came. It's not just the Jews who need the Messiah and the Christ and the Savior. It's the Gentiles. It's the Gentiles as well. And what did that audience do? They got mad. Verse 28, all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. And then the next few verses, they take Jesus outside the city and they want to throw him over a hill. You know, something that tears up a lot of churches is when people start coming who aren't part of their circles. (laughs) Um, you, You and I have to work really hard, really hard at getting outside our circles where we're comfortable to love on people and be a witness to people and to share the gospel with people. I even think about, Enlisting people for D group. Sometimes people will say, you know, I I can't find anybody to be in my D group. You know what you do? Get outside your circle. Get outside your circle. Make yourself on Sundays, go meet people you don't know. You see somebody and you've never seen them, but you don't know who they are. Go introduce yourself. Get outside your circle and watch what God does because as long as you stay in your circle where you are comfortable, you limit what God can do in your life. Get outside your, instead of getting mad because people are pushing you to get outside your circle, be like Jesus Be like Elijah, be like Elijah and get outside your circle of comfort and let God use you in the lives of other people. That's the prophetic message for today. Hey, God bless you. Be in church Sunday, and then I'll see you Monday with another devotion.